welcome to Mother of Dogs, the podcast for pet lovers who want to live their best life alongside their fur babies. I'm Tina, dog mom to Winnie and Chloe, my two French bulldogs who bring fun and chaos wherever they go. If you want to hear stories from modern pet parents about how they navigate life and business with their furry friend, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Tina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally chat with you. I was looking back at our Instagram DMs and we connected in September of 2020. I want to say that I found you because you were a speaker at a virtual pet summit. Do you remember what it was? I do. I was actually floored to be invited because I had only just started blogging, I think at the beginning of that summer, but I was invited to speak at the pet summit. And I was invited to speak about blogging. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I think I've got five blog posts and I already have this amazing opportunity to speak at the summit, which I was so nervous about. So September, that was really early in the blog for me. Wow, that's awesome. And then we had a lot of things in common. I love your aesthetic. You're from Stratford, Connecticut. I was born in Bridgeport and I have family in Stratford. So I have a question for you, a Connecticut thing. Okay. All right. Are you a fan of Dutchess? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. I love Dutchess. And okay. That just like totally made me laugh because I get to travel back to Connecticut. So Connecticut is still home, even though I'm in Atlanta now. And every time I go back, I go to Dutch's and I have to get like the hot dog plus chili with the works on it and the bacon. And I, I then I also have to get the cheeseburger because I can't decide which one I love more. Yes, I am a huge Dutch's fan. <laughs> God, I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, the chili dogs are so good. good. Yeah. So good. Okay. Side note, I know you're supposed to ask me the questions, but have you ever had a Gatano's Italian sandwich from Stratford? No. You have to go. It's called Gaetano's and it's in like the south end of Stratford over near where the library is in Sterling House. And yeah. it's this little corner deli where they curate like all their meats and everything there. And they name all of their sandwiches, like these cheeky names, like the Al Capone and the Raging Bull. And it's amazing. So next time you go to Stratford, go to Catano's. You will love it. Okay, definitely going to check it out. Now you've got me into the food situation. (laughs) What about famous pizza? Famous pizza at Pepe's, number Mm -hmm. one, hands down, Pepe's Pizza. My heart actually got broken this summer because Salerno's Pizza in Stratford just closed. And they've been in business, it was close to 50 years, 40 years. They were like Stratford staple. Captain's Pizza in Bridgeport. Pizza. Oh my God. Spent so much time at Captain's Pizza. That's so funny. (laughs) And what about the canteen in Bridgeport for burgers? Did you go there? Yeah. (laughs) That's so great. Oh my gosh. What's the biggest thing that you missed from Connecticut then? Definitely the food. That sounds horrible because it should be the people. And I really do miss the people like my friends and everyone I grew up with. But I do definitely miss the food. And 
funny enough, like I didn't realize how far from the ocean Atlanta is. So I missed Stratford. I grew up like closer to the Trumbull side. So it was like a 10 minute drive to the water, no problem. Not that you went into the beach in Short Beach. You didn't go into the water, but you hung out there. And now I think I'm like five or six hours from the closest beach. So that was a huge adjustment too. Totally. I live in central Texas, no water. Mm-hmm. It is Yeah, that's definitely the number one thing where I am used to being on a coastline or seeing the ocean or being able to drive there easily. So that is definitely a huge adjustment. I feel like my husband and I are happier by the water. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just the sound and the seagulls, it's relaxing. So I do miss that. Thank you for indulging me. Absolutely. For those that are unfamiliar with the Lindsay and Coco story, can you share what you created and how it came to be? Sure. So Lindsay and Coco is a dog mom lifestyle blog. And what I created was as a dog mom, I've been a dog mom now for 19 years. And what I found within the pet industry is when I would go to blogs, I would get great information, but just like aesthetically, I wasn't really vibing with it. Like I like things that are a little bit more modern, a little bit more trendy. I'm a huge like fan of all of the different fashion magazines in style, Elle, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar. And so when it came to the pet industry and with dog mom blogs, I felt like they were all really cute. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not this cute. Like I would like a dog mom blog that was just a little bit more modern and a little bit that looked a little bit more like the types of content that I like to consume via blogs, TV, social media. I came up with a concept for it and I created the social media Instagram account first. That was probably like March, 2020, something like that. And got the nerve up to buy the domain for the website uh, later that spring. And so by midsummer 2020, I had, and I'd be embarrassed to show the original version of Lindsay and Coco because I went super cutesy and just not my aesthetic because that's just what everybody else was doing. So I launched it in midsummer 2020 and very quickly got bored with just how it looked and the way that I was writing. And so I decided I'm just going to make a dog mom lifestyle blog that is just more my vibe. And so we're just going to follow along with like Hoosh and Goop and all of those other blogs and just make something that is very stylish, helpful to the dog mom community. I'll still continue to share the lessons that I learned from Coco, my first dog, as well as Harris and the twins and everyone else in between (laughs) that's passed through my home. But yeah, so that's how it started. And I came up with the name Lindsay and Coco because at the time I did not have Paris or the twins who are my current dogs. I had a 15 year old Chihuahua named Coco who was my very first dog. And I made like so many mistakes with him. It was ridiculous. And I swear he was like my heart dog. He was like the sweetest thing ever. Taught me so much about being a better dog mom, a better person. And so when I decided to create the blog, I named it Lindsay and Coco in his honor. 
And so he's since passed on and I do miss him, obviously. Matter of fact, I'm looking at a painting I have of him in my office right now. Like he works with me from my home office. But yeah, so lindsayandcoco.com is just really a tribute to him. And now all of the other dogs that have graced my life. Oh, I love that. So what does being a dog mom mean to you? A dog mom, what does that mean to me? I think it means sharing my life with these little fur babies. I think dogs are the most compassionate, loving, loyal animals. I think it's hilarious that we do not speak the same language, but I swear I can read their mind. And so it just means inviting them into your home, inviting them into your life and learning how to be patient, learning how to be a better human, being honest. But I will say (laughs) the biggest thing is definitely the patience that dogs teach you. You learn. I always thought I was a patient person. Even as a child, I was like, yeah, I'm totally chill. Then you get a dog and you realize like how inconsistent you can be, especially like when you're housebreaking or just training them on how you want to coexist with them. Really the person that ends up getting trained is you as a dog mom. And I think also it's important to find a dog breed that meshes well with your lifestyle. So when I got Coco, I was in a home, I was a homeowner and now I'm in an apartment And I knew for me, I do work like a daytime corporate job. I needed to have someone that could deal with being in the house. I quickly decided that I didn't want my dogs to ever be alone. So that's why I always have at least two dogs. Right now I have three. And so I need dog breeds that are okay with that. I may not necessarily be able to come home on lunch. I'm definitely not going to want to go hiking every weekend. And if it's raining outside or in Atlanta, the whole city shuts down. If there's a little bit of ice, I don't want to have to do a dog walk. So I definitely keep breeds that work with that lifestyle. And so I think that's a huge part of being a dog mom is knowing yourself so that whatever fur kid you bring home is going to be with you permanently. Like try our very best not to do a mismatch so that no one needs to be rehomed. So yeah, that's what it means for me. Yeah. And that's such great advice. So you went from Coco and now you have Paris and the twins. So you went from one to three, how is that transition and how's the dynamic between them and you and how's that going? It's absolute madness. And the transition is madness. So I say that to anyone that goes from one dog to two dogs to three dogs in your head, you're like, I've got one. The Mm -hmm. food is not going to be that much more. The housebreaking, we did that. And that was all of the things that I went through my head. And then like reality sets in and you're like, what have I done? I will say we are three years in. So I got the twins when they were maybe four months old and I adopted them from Rescue Me Georgia. I I got, I feel like Paris tricked me with adopting the twins. And so we'll get into that in a minute. And when I did bring them home, Paris was, I think she was just about to turn six. And so I will say that bringing in 
two puppies who were not well housebroken. They were horribly socialized. They didn't like me. They didn't like the volunteers that rescued me, Georgia. One of them bit me on the way home. The other one threw up in the car. I think both of them pooped in the car on the way home. It was just like pandemonium. But one thing that definitely helps when you're bringing puppies home, be it one or two, is having an older dog in the house. Paris helped them to calm down. At the time, I was living, like I said, in an actual single residence instead of an apartment. So I had an upstairs and a downstairs. They didn't know how to handle the stairs. So she taught them how to go up and down the stairs. She would yell at them every time they messed up with the house breaking and peed in the wrong spot, which was great for me because I had some carpet. If you don't find certain things within a certain amount of time with carpet and rugs, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of smells. So (laughs) she was very helpful with that. But now I would say it's very calm. Um, And I think that goes back to some of the lessons that I learned with Coco making sure that I was very consistent, making sure that I was very regimented with bringing them home early on. So it was like, we were up at the same time. We went out to the potty at the same time, breakfast, play time. They had crate time separate, same time every day, nap time, same time every day. Thankfully it was during the pandemic. So I was home all day so I could be that consistent. And I'd say probably after a month or so, the twins got the routine with Paris's help. Um, And I'd probably say they were pretty well house trained and broken by maybe three months in, um, just off of the consistency itself. And now everyone does have like free reign of the apartment. So I usually work from home on Mondays. And the rest of the week I'm in the office, which is only like 10 minutes away, but the three of them have free reign. I do block off the guest room just in case guests don't want to sleep on their bed with like dog fur everywhere. So that just makes cleaning in there easier. And I block off my office, but outside of that, and that's just because of the wires that are available where my desk is. But outside of that, they just act like they pay rent. Do you have a Furbo camera situation set up? I do. And in the beginning, when I first went back to the office, I was checking it constantly. And I think I probably set them back a little bit (laughs) with adjusting to me not being home. And so now, honestly, I don't use it that often. And when I do use it, it'll just be like just to look and see what everyone's doing, but I won't say anything. But yeah, like that was definitely very helpful in the beginning, probably more so for me than them. Yeah. (laughs) They had Paris. They were fine as long as she was home. They had a mom at home. Yes. (laughs) Yes. How has being a dog mom influenced your thoughts on being a mom to a human? It's a lot of work. And so I'm like, if these are for kids, I guess it gets easier with children, right? Because they hit a certain age and you're not you know, changing diapers and all that kind of stuff. So I don't have my own human kids, although I am an amazing aunt. Like I'm a great aunt. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think just at this point, that wasn't something that was in the cards for me. 
But I also feel as a dog mom that women have that freedom to choose. Women and their life partners should be able to choose whether they want to be pet parents or whether they'd like to have human kids or be cat mom, whatever it is for your thing, like we should feel empowered to be able to make those decisions and feel good about it. You wrote a blog post about that topic also. So that's did. also available on your, your blog. Yes. So it's called the great dog mom backlash. And I wrote it, I want to say it was the summer before last. There was quite a bit of a buzz in just the mainstream media in regards to women who chose not to have children um, being called selfish or women who chose to be dog moms or cat moms only were being called selfish. And I just got so mad because <laughs> I was like... That's not the full story. As women and individuals, I feel like it's upon us to be responsible with our decisions, right? And so you never know why a woman does not have human kids or fur kids for that matter. They may be allergic to every fur kid, but when it comes to human children as well, maybe there are infertility issues, maybe a woman wants to wait until she has a life partner or has made the right financial decisions or, or maybe emotionally she doesn't feel ready or maybe she's fulfilled in her life as is without children. So I just feel like whether we decide to have kids or not, like for women that decide to have kids, I am thrilled for them. I love children and I think they've made the right decision for themselves. And so that was really the point of that blog post. It was, who are we to ju judge another woman's decisions when it comes to whether she decides to have kids or not? And we should just be loving and respectful of each other regardless, knowing that all of us are trying our very best in this whole life experience, whether we are human moms or not. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for writing that. I think it's very important. So tell me about your life before you created the Lindsay and Coco lifestyle blog. I think you said you grew up with dogs and you mentioned that you do have a day job. So outside of your blog and influencing. So how do you manage all of that? And what were you doing before? Absolutely. So as a kid, I did not have a dog in my home. I've got a brother and both of my parents my mom tried really hard in one year. She brought us home a cockapoo and I think the puppy lasted like a week and a half. And she was like, no. And so my grandmother ended up adopting, air quotes, adopting the puppy that we had. As a child, like I always wanted a dog. So as soon as like I got into my own place and settled into my own career and whatnot, I got a dog, which was Coco. And as far as what life was like before the blog, as I said previously, <laughs> Coco was very patient with me because I learned everything the hard way um, when it came to being a dog mom. I think prior to the blog, I've always been a creative person. So I've enjoyed writing. I enjoy photography. I love to draw, dabbled in digital art as well as painting and just regular drawing with 
pencils and chalk and whatnot. And, but I just never had a consistent creative outlet. And then, so for my day job, I work in the insurance industry in property casualty. So that's your insurance that deals with anything from car accidents to homeowners claims, workers' compensation. It's really stressful, right? Because like you're dealing with everyone on like their worst day. The most expensive things that we have are our cars, our homes, our bodies when it comes to workers' comp claims. So everybody was stressed out and they were stressing me out. <laughs> and then the pandemic happened, basically. And so I found myself at home dealing with regular job insurance stress. Coco and I were doing the best that we could managing. And so I just found myself online more often. I think everyone did at that time and started to consider doing like a social media account and potentially a blog because that would allow me to marry everything together. The creativity, I love the dogs. I can't foresee ever getting tired of writing about dog mom stuff, especially when I've embraced more of my individuality in regards to interior design and decorating and finding ways of marrying all of that together. It just became a really great creative outlet. And Harris joined us. She was a gift from my brother. She joined us, I want to say maybe it was like a month or so after I had already started the Lindsay and Coco Instagram account. I just left the name the same. But when she joined us, she was older as well and not senior, but she was like, I think she was four, three and a half, four, something like that. So you had this creative outlet now. Did you feel that you had an entrepreneurial spirit because starting something new is a lot of work? And so you're adding that to your plate. How did you find that? And did you feel like you've had that in the past, a self-starter mentality? Definitely had a self-starter mentality. I would say I have the entrepreneurial spirit now. I would say that when I first started the blog, I really did look at it more as like a creative outlet than a business venture. Um, but the more that I learned about blogging and the more that I realized how much I liked it, um, it was like, okay, wait, like you can monetize this. And if you're consistent, like it can become a brand. So I think really blogging is what introduced me to affiliate marketing and experimenting with brand collaborations, featured posts. And now I'm in the middle of, I actually signed up for Marie Forleo's B-School coursework, which I was like super excited to sign up for because I'd like to expand the blog into a product-based business as well. But yeah, like I think the entrepreneurial bug bit me post-blogging. Nice. You're now based in Georgia. Has your location influenced your lifestyle or inspired how you've built Lindsay and Coco? Yes, definitely. So I'm in the burbs of Atlanta. And so I definitely think you can see that in the aesthetic of um, the social media accounts as well as on the blog itself. I think I definitely have more of that vibe as opposed to anything that's like very city, super modern, 
or anything that is like super rural. I think I'm like in that sweet spot where it's, yeah, like I, I want to have the nice apartment and be able to go for brunch and buy the swimming pool and all of that kind of stuff that comes from Southern living. So most of the time you're going to see um, us hanging out at the apartment. You'll see lots of videos of us hanging out at dog parks or something, you know, like that on vacation, um, which would be a completely different vibe if I was still in Connecticut, right? <laughs> As we talked about, I'm landlocked. Seeing the water is going to be um, pretty rare on the blog. But I also think just the area that I'm in Georgia is like a slower pace. It is very relaxed. And so I'm able to do a little bit of both worlds, great food, great fashion, comfortable home, and reflecting that in my dog's life as well. So I know they probably come off a bit spoiled. Um, that's the bonus of living in Georgia, right? So <laughs> I love your space. It's so cozy. So you said you went from a house to an apartment. And I know when looking for apartments, they all have their own vibe. So when you were looking around, was that something that was also really important for you to make sure that it was consistent with your brand and what you yes. love. Yeah. And like the big thing for me is when it comes to Lindsay and Coco, I really wanted the blog to reflect me. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to fit into something, which initially when I created the blog and I first created the website, it was just, I don't know who I was trying to be, but it was just not me. And so creating content became very hard. And so when I sold my home and was looking for an apartment, I was like, I want a really calm, neutral space. There's a lot going on. Like I said, working in the insurance industry, there's a lot of stress going on in that space. And I just wanted a place that felt very airy and open I have always been a lover of neutrals, so I wanted like a neutral palette that I could ease into and a splash of color here and there where I felt appropriate. And I definitely wanted to have some sort of outdoor space. There are a lot of apartments in the greater Atlanta area where there's no outdoor space, like personal outdoor space. So I definitely wanted to have a balcony and then... I wanted a place that had a gym. It would be nice to not have to pay a gym membership. It would be nice to not have to always borrow someone else's pool. So those were the type of things that I was looking for. And, and of course, try to make it affordable. If we can get it all for a price that I can afford, that would be great. <laughs> and because of that's why you see so much of the apartment and everything on my social media, you can tell that I... Love comfort, but I am also super organized, like all of the drawers and <laughs> cabinet space and everything. But I just feel like that just adds to what my life as a dog mom and a person looks like. And I think it's important within the dog mom community for all of us to see how we're living and how are you incorporating your animals into your lifestyle and how are you making it comfortable for you and them in your home. Um, 
last summer, I believe it was, we did like the whole, how are you living blog post series where we featured dog moms from all over the world, where they literally like just invited us into their homes. And it was just so much fun. We got so much positive feedback because people were like, oh my goodness. We had women from South America, the West Coast, Canada, and it's just fun to open up a blog and see someone else living life and how they do it in a different environment. Yeah, I love that. I love that you care about functionality, but you make it aesthetically pleasing. And I yes. think sometimes you think with dogs, like my apartment in DC looked completely different than my house now, where I can't have certain things because I've had to adjust to, of course, having dogs, especially little bowling balls who just run around and crash into everything. And <laughs> so that's been a huge adjustment. So that's something also that I love about your blog is that you give ideas on functionality, but it's still beautiful and it's still going to work. And I think that's really hard to find sometimes. It is. And you have to be really creative about it. I remember when the twins came home, I was like, where the heck are they going to sleep? Great training. And I don't just want like random dog beds all over the place or whatever. And so honestly, like I was looking at a lot of different home magazines like Pottery Barn and West Elm. And then of course the style magazines that we talked about earlier. I'm a huge HGTV person. And I, I think it was one of the episodes where they built a bench. And I was like, I'm not building anything, but <laughs> um, I can take measurements. Like maybe I can find a bench that got the appropriate dimensions to cover the puppy's crates. And so that's literally what ended up happening. And then I showed it on social media and everybody was like, oh my gosh, where did you get this? And so then I'm like, all right, let's do a high option, which I did not do. I did not do the expensive option. <laughs> my bench was from Wayfair. And then I did a lower option to pricing wise and hey, all you need to do is head over to Wayfair and go on over to PetSmart, get the regular crate. And what's been really fun with that and other options is like dog moms will write me, DM me all the time on Instagram, just like random, which I love. They just pop up in the DM and they're like, we've never talked before, but look at this bench that I did for my dogs. And it's, it's just so nice to see that. That's so great. We need a Lindsay and Coco home line. Okay. We do. We do. I, that's what I'm working on. So we'll see yeah. if we can make this happen. Definitely. You definitely can do it. So besides the figuring out what your aesthetic was or leaning into it, when initially starting Lindsay and Coco, what was a, a big challenge? So I would say in regards to like financial, I like nice things, but I am cheap. So I was like, before I even got into the actual domain and blogging platform, I did a ridiculous amount of research about how much does it really cost to run a website and where would be the best place for me to start? Because I figured, I don't know if I'm going to like blogging, so let's not prepay for two or three years. So that would be the first thing. So financially, I didn't end up having any huge expenses or obstacles there because I did do quite a bit of research ahead of time. I think the biggest challenge was 
the technical learning curve when it comes to blocking. Like in everyone's head, it's, yeah, you sit down on your balcony with your coffee and you just spit out this blog post and it's genius and you post it and everyone reads it and it's great. And that is not blogging. (laughs) Like It was figuring out, okay, what is a good topic that dog moms are going to be interested in? How do you do search engine optimization on the title? How do you do that in the actual body of the blog? How do you promote it? When do you post it? Which photos are you going to use? The spacing, the font, like all of that was just insanity. And then that wasn't even the technical part of which platform have you picked? How do you upload to the platform? How do you make it look the way you want it to look, how do you monitor traffic? Like even right now, I'm two and a half years into blogging and, or maybe three, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's 2023. So rounding out into year three. And, um, I had to switch from regular Google analytics to GA4. And first of all, I could not get the conversion to go right. So this is the first time in my entire blogging career that I paid somebody to do anything. And I went and paid somebody to move me off of Google Analytics to GA4. And now I'm on GA4, but of course nothing is super easy. So now trying to figure out my page views, like all the menu options have changed. So I don't think I've had like accurate page views on my website for three months now. Because I just don't have the energy to go back into the technical research mode and figure it out. So definitely like that learning curve of search engine optimization, figuring out how you're going to market it, and then the technical support needed to keep the site running. That was the hardest thing. And it still continues to be the biggest challenge for me when it comes to blogging. Oh my gosh. I laugh because I so feel you with not knowing the technical side with podcasting. I'm like, wait, what do I do after I record? Where do I? Yeah. It's just a show. And that's without doing social media. That's without doing any marketing. Like you said, looking at metrics, there's so many things to do. Yes. At all times. <laughs> yes. And then it's, I've been horrible with my email list this year. Last year, I was so consistent. I think you guys were getting like an email. It was might have been like three times a month. I was posting a new blog twice a week. I was like, oh, I got this. And now this year, I'm a hot mess. So, but I think anyone that tries to do anything like this blogging, podcasting, like you said, the technical learning and that curve is just continuous. Like you master one thing and there's something else to learn. Yeah. You have all this energy with the excitement of starting something new, but then once you're about to launch all of the things that you were trying to figure out, you're tired by lunchtime (laughs) where you're like, oh my God, now I have to be consistent with this. And I just spent months without anybody seeing anything, working on this. And then I launched and yeah, now I'm on a regular schedule and you're just tired already. So I think that was also a thing for me where I was like, 
oh my God, I have to keep this going. Like, how do I do this? (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) That's so funny. So how do people typically find you? At this point, I've had the blessing of being featured in a couple of different types of, I would say like media accounts. So I do think that helps. Most recently, I did a partnership with Overland Atlanta Hotel down in downtown Atlanta. So there were lots of people that found me that way. Because I have focused heavily on optimizing my blog posts for SEO, so I do get quite a bit of traffic from Google directly to the website. And I make sure that I have my social share buttons and everything there. I do get quite a bit of direct traffic from Google. And I would also say the Pinterest account that I have. It's so funny because Pinterest went through their own social media identity crisis. And so when I first started posting on Pinterest, I had a hundred thousand views every month. And then I think, I don't know, but I don't know what they tried to do, but I don't think it worked. Um, So now they're back to being more of a normal Pinterest account where you go there to find bloggers and solutions and they point you off the site. And so I do get quite a bit of traffic there. Honestly, which is interesting because when I started blogging, I thought that most of my traffic was going to come from Instagram and later on TikTok. And it doesn't. Like, I think... For those communities, for me, I know for other content creators, they will get a lot of traffic from those. But for me, I think the social media platforms end up being a place where the readers of my blog congregate. And so we're just chatting in DM and I'm on their stories, they're on mine, we're commenting on each other's pictures and whatnot. And so it just ends up being like more of a fun community place than a traffic driver. Nice. Yeah. Pinterest is becoming more of a search engine or it is a search engine where people are and you have a beautiful Pinterest. I was on it and I love all of the the posts that you have there. So that's really amazing resource where you can see everything and go directly to the articles or wherever you're directing. So that's really great. Do you find that you've gained traction from followers who are from a certain region of the country? Yes. And this is why I need to fix my Google Analytics. (laughs) Thankfully though, Pinterest as a search engine, like you said, also does a really great job of telling you who your demographics are. Most of my readers on both the blog through GA4, as well as through Pinterest, I can tell that they tend to be in Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, London, Toronto, Miami. So it tends to be like bigger cities. It's all women, which I love. There's nothing worse than like writing for women and somehow you get trapped with a bunch of men because like they're not going to read your stuff and they're really not interested in the lifestyle hacks or whatever. Yeah. On all of my platforms, I'm like 90% women. And then the age range seems to be mostly, so I'll get like the 25 to 35 and then 35 to like 40. Those are the demographics and Pinterest splits it up a little bit different than Google does. But I'm like, that's perfect. That's who I was looking for. When I was writing the blog post, I'm like, I'm writing for me. So 
um, writing for me when I was in my 20s and Coco was like dealing with my craziness and I'm writing for me now <laughs> that I'm older and I've got the three dogs and a little bit more settled in my life. And so that's your woman that's in her 30s and 40s. So mm-hmm. I love that. How has the Lindsay and Coco brand evolved over time? Relationships and your products hopefully coming soon. (laughs) So hopefully the next future iteration will be actual home-based products. So when I first started Lindsay and Coco, I did not want to be featured at all. Period. Anywhere. So I don't even know if anyone knew what I looked like. I think the cover photo that I had on IG... I was like super far away and I was like, that's good. You can see the dogs, but you don't need to see me. And I also, I'm a huge fan of Canva. And so a lot of the artwork that was on the social media, as well as the website was like Canva photos. <laughs> um, and I was just like nervous. I love people individually, collectively as a group through a window on the phone, like they make me nervous. So I didn't want to be anywhere on the block or whatnot. And I think I was just taking myself too seriously. Um, So over time, it became a hardship, right? You got to figure out like what content works with your brand, what works with your blog posts, what works with your personality, how many generic photos are you putting up versus the dogs just became this whole thing and so now you look on anything and you're guaranteed to see us on there and you're guaranteed to see our life our home me the dogs our personalities because the three of them have very different personalities. Like Paris is literally the angel. She is trying to please you at all times. Dylan is just like such a mama's boy. If I didn't have my office door closed right now, he'd be right here. And Delilah thinks we're all jerks. Like she is the teenager and she's, you are all so uncool and I'm going to my room. And so I try to bring all of that kind of silliness to the blog and uh, the website. To sum all of that up, I think now the blog and the website, like you truly are like coming to our home and hanging out with us um, and being silly with us. And the website ends up being either things that we've gone through or content that our readers have asked for. And I absolutely love when people contact me and they're like, can you do a blog post about this? Yes. Yes, I can. I will. It may take me a little time because I want to research it and make sure it's right, but you will definitely get a blog post for what you asked for. Oh, I love that. And I love you sharing that. Thank you. Because I feel that you are saying exactly what I think in my head at this point, starting the podcast, I edit myself out as much as possible. I do not have many photos of myself on there on my Instagram. I am trying to avoid it, but I'm also feeling like I need to be more involved, but it is scary. I think that it's natural to also feel a little bit nervous, but at the same time, I think the more that you're doing it, it gets easy. So I'm trying to practice. I love seeing your face on your social media and your blog and everything. So that does make sense. I feel 
very connected to you and your lifestyle. And I want to be in your home because it's so cozy. So I calm think down, calm down. I know. Don't tap me with a good time. I'm going. <laughs> and then you have to come here and help me organize my life so that 100%. I feel I will tell you my secret weapon is Amazon, which is nobody's secret, and the container store. Oh, Those two love the container store. I could be there forever. So yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. I will organize the heck out of your house if you give me half the chance. Yes. So what does a day look like for you? Because you have a corporate job and then you have to do content, which is time consuming. How do you typically balance the schedule of creating the blog post? Do you batch work and do it in advance or how does that work for you? Really good question. So I could tell you what I did, but I was super organized, but I'm not doing that anymore. So I feel like I'd be telling a story. So I'm going to tell you what's <laughs> happening right now. Yes. I tend to, because my job is so demanding, I do not usually do anything for the blog content creation wise during the week. So Monday through Friday, I'm not really creating anything. So that in itself ends up where I'm cramming content Friday night through Sunday. So that's usually where I end up doing most of my research, where I end up doing writing the actual blog post and doing any optimization for SEO. When I create the blog post, I use Canva or my own artwork to create as many Pinterest pins as possible. And what I try to do is double it up. So whatever I picked as like my cover art for the Pinterest pin is going to be also the cover art for the blog post is going to morph into the stories for Instagram. I will also use it over on threads. You are going to see it again over on LTK. I'm like, I don't have time to be shooting like all of this new stuff. So that's one thing when it comes to the cover art and the actual photos that are in the blog post. Twice a month, I will go through and anything that I have taken, just casual photos of the dog, because I'm always doing that with them. I'll go through my phone and pick the best and we'll go ahead and edit those. And I edit those in Lightroom, adjusting contrast and frames and all that kind of stuff. And then that, those are the things that you're gonna see on Instagram. And then for the reels, um, usually I end up having some sort of like creative, spontaneous spasm for lack of a better word. And so they'll be like three or four days in the month where I will literally record six, seven, eight, 10 TikToks reels. And then I just hold them and mm. will post them over time. In the past, I was way more regimented and that did work better. So in the past, I was writing a new blog post on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday, I did a blog post. I worked on my newsletter list either every Friday night or Saturday night, where I actually went back to the new blog post and sent that out in my newsletters. And then every Sunday, I was creating content for Instagram, Pinterest, or TikTok. 
that worked better back then, but just with differences in job responsibilities and family um, obligations, I haven't been able to be that consistent. My advice to anyone who is trying to do anything blogging or content creation or anything like that is definitely have a schedule, <laughs> like pick days. And when I say days, I don't mean use the whole day. If you've got two or three hours that you can set aside to just do one task until completion, and if you finish it early, then do it again, spit out as much as you can in that session. That would be my advice because when I did do that, I would be months ahead with blog posts, content creation, reels. So it looked like I was posting constantly, like I was always on the platforms, but really I was just plugging it into planners and the planners were posting for me and I was off at my day job. <laughs> That's great advice. Is there a busiest time of year for you? I will say I do try to stay ahead of the seasons. So like I'm already looking at what types of things do I want to feature for fall, Black Friday, all of that kind of year end stuff. Like I'll do that stuff now. So as long as I try to be like a season ahead, then you don't end up being super busy. Like you can keep a decent cadence. And then what will make me incredibly busy is if I pick up any type of brand partnership, because then that's something that's unplanned for. And now you're working on the agreed upon deadlines. Um, and I would say for those that are starting in the beginning, the first 12 months are just at a manic pace because you're trying to produce so much content and you're trying to stay ahead um, while you're dealing with that learning curve that we talked about earlier. But the longer that you do it, you can settle into a, a workable space so that you don't necessarily have a content creation busy season. I'm sure if I can pull off this product business, <laughs> I will have a busy season when it comes to like home products. Yeah, definitely. How do you build these connections and relationships within the pet industry? You talked a little bit about brand partnerships. Um, so it's funny. I'm not someone that hunts down brand partnerships. Um, that was never my MO. I know other influencers and bloggers who are amazing at that and they get partnerships all the time. So um, that works for them. What's worked for me is I decided I'm really going to focus on the blog. I'm going to focus on the content. I'm going to focus on being myself and sharing a little bit of my life with the dogs and being really responsive on my social media accounts. If you DM me, you are going to get a response. So when it comes to building relationships, uh, number one, I feel like a lot of the readers that I've met on um, my blog and, and website and whatnot, we've actually become like friends. So we're just casually like, how are you doing? What do you need? How, can you help me find this? My dog did this. And so I have a lot of relationships that have morphed into opportunities like with the pet summit. I was like responding to all of their content because I absolutely love Gal's best friend and ended up like 
DMing the ladies individually just off of like their dogs and what was going on in their life or whatnot. So I would say for building relationships in the industry, especially in the dog mom space, like everybody is so nice. Like they're just so nice. Um, when it comes to brands, because I don't pitch, I have literally never pitched. I went and did this whole social media package in the beginning when I first started blogging because I was like, you need a social media package. And I've never used it, never sent it anywhere. So for the brands, what I do is when I post on social media, I always tag brands. And the same thing with like the blog posts, like I'll mention who I'm using or where I got this or whatnot. And because of that, I end up on their tagged page. Sometimes I see that they open the content in my DMs and then I get requests that way. So that was how I ended up working with Friendship Collar, Ollie, which is the dog food that we use, Overland Park Atlanta, that hotel curator, which I lost my mind when curator contacted me because hello, fashion lover, Rachel Zoe, like it doesn't get much better than that. And it was literally just a picture, but you thought I like <laughs> met Beyonce. I was so excited, <laughs> but it's really just being authentic and sharing the brands that I love and I use. And that's how most of the partnerships paid and, and most of them have been paid have happened. So I love that. You were very responsive when I reached out to you because I found you from that pet summit. And then we started talking about Winnie's birthday picture. We did a wild one birthday for his first birthday. And I posted an illustration that I had made with him in the That's boat. Right. And then yes. you were like, you should do this with that or like a canvas and put in a frame and all of the things. And so I did end up framing it after. And so you gave me a bunch of ideas, which was amazing. I love that you were so responsive and that's important for you to have these organic relationships because you're so genuine and it, it definitely shows. So what has been the most popular content you've posted or shared? So the most popular, and it continues to be, was actually my first Black Women and Dogs blog post that I did. And I was terrified <laughs> to write that blog post because I felt like it was, I was being so vulnerable and um, it was just something where I do feel like dog moms of color have a harder time getting exposure, gaining traction, and so I did that in partnership with Black Women Love Dogs and Black Girls Love Dogs too. Those were the two feature pages that I worked with on that blog post. But that one continually tends to trend as like one of the top blog posts. The other one is the littermate syndrome one because littermate syndrome, it is a real thing. I think the post is entitled littermate syndrome fact or fiction. And it is a fact. If you get two puppies out of the same litter and you are not very careful about individually socializing them and teaching them manners, they end up with this crazy language that only they can speak. 
as evidenced by the twins. Like they came in my house and they were absolutely nuts. I don't know. <laughs> they were nuts. They didn't like men. They didn't like women. They didn't like the phone, the car, grass, like you name it. And <laughs> it was insane. So thankfully I had Paris. And honestly, the reason why I adopted them is because she loved them so much. Like they hit it off. I think they think she's their mom, honestly. And I brought them home and I'm like, at least they like you because they don't like me. So that litter mate syndrome ends up being like a very popular post as well. And actually the dog mom backlash post does really well as well. It tends to be seasonal on that one around Mother's Day. (laughs) But yeah, those are like the top three. Makes sense with the Mother's Day. I totally right. see that. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast was to highlight diversity in the pet space. So since that post and noticing what the space was like, have you noticed any shifts in the pet space since you've entered? I have. I've noticed that it just seems like dog moms feel more comfortable being themselves and showing themselves. And usually like you, Tina, I'll talk to someone in the DMs and they're like, I never show my face. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I feel like there's not really a place for me in the space or whatnot. And I'm finding that more and more of them are deciding to go ahead and just put their authentic self out there. So I am seeing a lot more bloggers, creators, who are diverse, which I love to see. And even as the diversity post talks about, it's not just about black women. It's about all of us, like all of us feeling comfortable enough to authentically share what our lives and our life experiences are like. So I definitely see more creators in that way. I would like to see more support for our fellow diverse content creators and just following them, listening to their podcasts, reading the blog posts, hitting on doing a share. If you really love someone's content, then the absolute best gift you can give is support. You don't necessarily have to buy anything or whatever, just being there and saying to them, I loved this article. I loved this podcast. I loved this, you know, post. That's so encouraging. That's the stuff that means the most to me. So that would be how I would say that it's changed so far. Thanks for sharing your total inspo for me, especially in regards to stepping out and becoming more visible. Is there something that triggered you to just not care anymore where you're like, yeah, this is something that I need to do and that I care about. And how did you overcome that? I think it was the readers. Like it was 100% like the encouragement, like People reading the blog and then coming and telling me this was fantastic. I loved this. This was so fun. And I do think that the dog mom series that I did, How You're Living, it's so funny because I did it because I didn't want to feature myself. (laughs) So I was like, I'll feature everyone else. But what ended up happening is that it was just everyone was so encouraged to see what the other ladies were doing and so positive in the comments as well as in my DMs. And I'm like, I'm posting for my friends. That's what's happening here. Like I'm creating blog posts and entertaining my friends. And when you start to look at social media that way, 
it just becomes like an easier space. And so that's really the difference. It went from being a bunch of strangers that I hope they like me to these are my friends and, you know, I'm, I can be a complete idiot with my friends. So I don't have to worry about making a mistake. And so I think that was the biggest change for me was just that shift in perspective. And also I will say earlier, while I always knew that I wanted to focus on the blog, I was using social media as a tool. And so I would become really frustrated with it if like the follower account didn't increase, if I didn't hit a certain amount of likes, if I didn't have enough comments or shares or whatever, I would be upset. And then now I'm like, well, it's fine. I'm really there for the community. And so if five people like it, those are five of my friends that enjoyed it. And so taking the pressure off of social media has definitely helped with showing myself more and just feeling more comfortable. Yeah, that's such a good point because we do focus on the metrics of having lots of followers, but then you may not have an engaged community and you may also not feel comfortable in front of them, right? Because it's a bunch of strangers or people who are not engaged. So it is important to be comfortable. And you talking about the piece that you had where going into people's homes and you're asking them to share their homes. And then you realize that what you're asking them to do maybe you're not doing. I think that's how it is with the podcast. I'm asking people personal questions and having them share with me. So it's a little bit unfair if I'm editing myself out where I'm not sharing the same things. So I've also thought about that when listening back where I'm like, oh, I probably could have left that in and shared more about myself just like that person did. So it does change your perspective and recognizing people are sharing and trusting you. And then building that relationship requires both you and the person being the same. Yeah. 100%. So there's so many skills uh, necessary in content creation. Do you love doing it all or excel in specific areas? Do I love doing it all? Yeah. I think I'm like a little bit of like a jack of all trades. So I love photography. I actually took photography in college. So that, that's a a yes. I love writing. I was a journalism major in college. So the fact that I can constantly be generating blog posts is also a yes. And then I would say for a lot of the cover art or maybe things that I craft in Canva, like that ends up being like a little bit of like an artistic outlet as well. So I would say from the content creation perspective, Yes, I love it all. If I magically woke up tomorrow and was a millionaire, all of the technical stuff, somebody else would do (laughs) because it, it is a lot. And so who knows, like maybe one of these days, like I'll end up just taking some sort of formal training so that it's not always like banging my head against the wall at a new problem. But for the content creation, I do love that. Yes. That's great. Do you, do you have a favorite dog mom hack? Favorite dog mom hack? Yes, I do. And this one I learned, I think it was last summer, which is why I'm going to actually look for the name of the product because it's the best thing ever. So when I was Coco's dog mom, I did not know the importance of dental care 
for mm. your dog. And Coco was a chihuahua. Chihuahuas have notoriously bad teeth. And I have no idea how this happened, but he never had a doggy dental cleaning, which is horrible. I didn't know that at the time. And then by the time I knew it, the vet was like, girl, it's too late. But he never had to have any teeth pulled. So my favorite dog mom hack is a toy and it's called Pet Safe Busy Buddy Bristle Bone. And it is basically like a toothbrush for dogs, but you can unscrew it and you add in these like dog treats that go, that are screwed in between two bristles and then you give them the toy and your dog ends up trying to eat the treat and brushing their own teeth, like way in the back. Cause you can get the front with yeah. finger toothbrushes or whatever, but that way in the back is a hot mess. So those are my absolute favorite hands down dog mom hat. Paris's teeth are amazing. The twins teeth are amazing. The vet is always, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I'm like, it's this doggone busy bone. Um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So that one, I would say the clear dog gate, love those. That was like a game changer because, oh my goodness, pet gates are so ugly. And so to find something that was aesthetically pleasing was helpful. And then I would say washable rugs. I personally use um, Ruggable, but there are a lot of different brands and that's a game changer too. We really don't have accidents in the house, but you know, every once in a while, everybody gets sick and to be able to peel the rug off the floor and put it in the washing machine, it doesn't get any better. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Send me all your links so I can put them in the show notes for people because those are all amazing. So are there still times that you question whether or not to continue Lindsay and Coco? Yes. When did, yeah. (laughs) Every day, no, I'm teasing. I think when I get behind, Mm -hmm. when I get behind, I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't done, especially on the blog, like social media. Like I said, I'm, I've, I'm way more chill on social media, but on the blog, when it's been a minute and I haven't done a blog post, I do get anxiety and I'm like, how are you a blogger when you're not writing blog posts? So that, and then right now, because I'm, like I said, I'm taking B-School with Marie Forleo and trying to like parlay into a product business. And so I'm having that overwhelm that I had in the beginning, starting blogging. Now I'm having that overwhelm with product development and how do you set up a product-based business model. Um, And so it's easy for me out of anxiety to just stop because you don't have to be anxious if you're not doing anything, pushing through that. And like, I'm going to see it through, but yeah, I think whenever I'm inconsistent, I'm like, maybe I should just stay with my day job. When you feel like it is going to work, what pushes you to feel that way where you're like what you said, I know I'm going to follow through. Because I get excited with the product ideas that I have. I'm like, I would buy that. I would buy that. I would wear that. I would have that in my house. Like, where is it? So there is like this excitement behind that idea. And it was the same thing with Lindsay and Coco and with the different blog posts that I do. They bother me in the back of my head, even though I'm dealing with day-to-day and work and the dogs and whatever. In the back of my head, I'm like, 
there are these blog post ideas that were submitted that are fantastic. And I said, I was going to do it and I've got to do it. So it's the excitement that keeps me going. Um, which I think goes back to most advice that um, successful entrepreneurs give where they're like, make sure whatever it is that you decide to do for your business, it's something that you would do for free. Um, because if it's something that you would do for free, then that means it's a passion and you're just going to do it because it's in you. There's this spark. And so it's the same thing with Lindsay and Coco, with the blog posts, and now with the product development. When I don't do it, like there's a little voice, get to it. This is a great idea. This is exciting. You need to do it. So that's how I push through. If I was not passionate about the dogs and our dog mom community, I know I would not push through. So something else, I'd be like, meh, that was a great hobby. I had fun and move on. Mm-hmm. Can you share a proud Lindsay and Coco moment or a moment that made you feel fulfilled and like you're on the right path? I think it was that first feature with the pet summit. It was so early and I was still figuring everything out. And the ladies at Gal's Best Friend, I still look up to them. (laughs) I'm like, it's Gal's Best Friend. (laughs) And then the other speakers that were on there, they were just amazing, like content creators and bloggers that are huge in the pet industry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on here with them. And I think that moment was like, okay, like you're doing something that brings value and that people are enjoying. So keep going. So that would be a huge deal to me. And then the second one was when I got accepted to to know it, LTK, Because like, I am a shopaholic, as I'm sure you all know. So I had LTK like way back. (laughs) I was buying clothes and things off of there forever. And it never dawned on me that I could be one of the ladies on there where you're following her account and whatnot. And being accepted to that on my first try. And again, that was maybe two or three months after that first appearance uh, on the Pet Summit. That was just, both of those moments were wildly fulfilling and they were so early on in my blogging journey that they gave me like a lot of fuel to be like, keep going, like you're doing something that's being appreciated. I love that. Thank you for sharing. So what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal would be to turn Lindsay and Coco into a full service product-based brand. I do have a lot of ideas for home, for dog moms. Um, I do have a lot of artistic vision that I would like to bring to that home space. And so that's what I'm focusing on trying to make come to fruition now. And so to give you like a little tidbit of the idea, in my head, I'm like, so I've got a Yorkie, I've got the Chihuahua mixes or half Italian Greyhounds. And I'm like, dog moms, we all think that our dog is like the best. The breed is the best. We would deck out our whole house in that breed if we could. And so the line of products that I'm developing would allow you to do just that. So imagine you're having a dinner party and all of the dinnerware that you have has a pattern on it 
for your chihuahua or for your greyhound, but it's like very aesthetically pleasing, like Monique Moulier, like Kate Spade. It's like that, but it's your dog. Like I want that type of home brand of pet products for my dog mom community. So that's what I'm working on. And my dream would be to wake up tomorrow in my office, wallpapered with my Lindsay and Coco wallpaper that's on the market, sipping from my Lindsay and Coco coffee mug that's on the market, with my Lindsay and Coco pillow behind me that's on the market for all of my dog moms of different breeds. So that's the vision. And to continue the blog with that, I want it to continue to be a place where you can come to shop to be inspired and to be educated about dog training, other dog moms, pet businesses. Like I really want it to be like a full blown dog mom brand. I love that. And if it's in your vision, it's possible and it is meant for you. So I'm so excited for you. And I'm wondering how can we support you in your work? I totally agree with you. So thank you. I will say this before I say how you can support me is I truly believe that everything is created twice, once in your mind and then out in reality. So I have this vision in my head and I just need to get it out in reality because it's already created. And I would say the best way to support me is exactly what I said for supporting other creators like come hang out with me on social media, follow, read the dog blog. If you see something you like, shoot me an instant message, DM, tell your friends. You don't have to buy a thing. (laughs) I would just love to know that you're out there and that you're enjoying the content. And if there's anything that you'd like to see on the website from a blog post perspective, let me know. I will write it. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. It's been so fun talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you forever. So I thank know. You for- Forget the podcast. You're gonna have to call me back. Like we just need to like chat. So I feel totally. like, I'm like an instant friend, but it's not instant because we've been chatting for years, which is so funny. But thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. I was so flattered. Oh my goodness, she wants to interview me. Yes. You were on top of my mind too, and I'm like. <laughs> I don't even know. I was so intimidated by you. I was thinking, my gosh, like you're a total dog mom inspo. So I was so excited when you're like, yes. Oh my gosh. No, I was like, if you had seen the response, the answer was, oh, (laughs) I was so excited. But thank you so much for having me. You are wonderful. And this has just been great. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Here's a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast. You can be the first to know when new episodes drop. All you need to do is open your favorite listening app, search for mother of dogs and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll see you back here every other Sunday for a new episode.